All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's interesting if you read the Guinness Book of World Records book, and in reading that book, you find out that a lot of the Guinness Book records are established by crowds. Maybe they aren't doing something so unique, but they are a crowd of people that gather together, and because of the sheer number of people doing a particular activity, it is established as a Guinness Book of World Records. Let me give you some examples. This free fall skydiving. 117 people got together and said, hey, we can establish the Guinness Book of World Records. You see down on the left-hand lower corner, this poor guy didn't make it in. <laughs> he, he jumped and he didn't make it part of the record. He's all alone over there. How about the human mattress domino effect right there? You missed that one. You probably would have said, oh, I would have wanted to do that, right? I mean, there were 2,016 people that got together to set the human domino mattress World record for the Guinness Book, right? How about this one? Kite surfers. Kite surfers got together to establish a Guinness Book of World Record. I counted. I'm like, there's like 13. I'm like, I mean, we could go out today, right now, and beat that record. I mean, just let me know afterwards, right? I mean, that kind of thing. So how about underwater pyramid? Right here, underwater pyramid. 62 people got together and said, hey, let's break the Guinness Book of World Record. Let's go underwater and do a pyramid. And that, yeah, we could probably do that as well. Go to the local pool, right? How about this one? 572 people got together, head massage. The Guinness Book of World Record for head massage. <laughs> for a head massage. Right there it is, right? You know? And then obviously, 895 people got together to set the Guinness Book of World Records for how many Elvis impersonators, right? So there it is. There's the Elvis suit, the reason for the suit. And that I wasn't part of that group, though. But my question and my challenge to you here this morning is this. When it comes to being part of a crowd and running with a crowd, what is it you want to give your life to? I mean, how much of an influence or legacy is it going to be that you're in the Guinness Book of World Record for the longest head massage? How much is that going to change a life? People gather together in crowds for all kinds of reasons. And I want us to realize here at New Hope Community Church that God has gathered us as a crowd so that we can bring influence, transformation to our city and to our county and to our country as God's people. You see, last week we started this series called Manufacturing, how God wants to use man and woman, youth, children, to be utilized to bring change in his creation. And how in the Old Testament, we are seeing how God is utilizing his people 
to build the temple, the church in the Old Testament, but to, in a bigger plan, be a light and darkness to the other nations so that other nations would be in relationship with God. Because last week we talked about when it comes to manufacturing, there has to be obviously a CEO, a chief executive officer and how God is that chief executive officer. He is overall. He has the grounds to be in that position. Why? Because he's the originator. He created all things. He created us. He gave us life. He's the organizer. He puts things in place. The sun comes up, and it'll go down because he organizes it that way. And he's the occupier, meaning for those of us who are Christ followers, he lives in us by his Holy Spirit. Where we go, he goes. And as the CEO, he has the main goal of reconciliation, meaning bringing people back into a relationship with him so that they would have a relationship with him intimately on a day-to-day basis so that their lives would be radically changed to look more like Jesus, less like themselves, and then so that they as well can be released out into their neighborhood, their community, where they work, and to be a light and darkness, to represent him, and to invite other people into relationship with him. And in the Old Testament, when he established and built his temple, we see that it started there, and it started with the people utilizing their gifts, and then being established as a nation, and being a witness unto other nations. And we see that God does a different kind of math because he's the CEO, so he's number one. But then he adds a leader, Solomon, to build the temple. But God plus Solomon doesn't equal two. It actually equals thousands, a thousand plus people in order to build the temple and in order to represent God as the nation of Israel unto other nations. We get this picture in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. David, King David, wants to build the temple, but God chooses his son instead. It said, David summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem, the officers over the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands, and the commanders of hundreds. And the officials in charge of all the property, the livestock belonging to the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the warriors, and all of the brave fighting men. You see that this crowd, the nation of Israel, gathered together. King David rose to his feet and said, listen to me, fellow Israelites, my people. I had in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. But God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and you have shed blood. But he said to me, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he unswervingly carries out my commands and my laws, as is being done today. And so God calls upon Solomon to build his temple, to be a leader among the people, but we see then Solomon takes the next step 
And he doesn't do it all. He doesn't lead all the people. He doesn't establish the temple. But what he does is he goes out and he invites thousands in to build the temple and to represent God among the nations. It says, King Solomon conscripted laborers from all Israel, 30,000 men. He sent them off to Lebanon in shifts of 10,000 a month so that they would spend one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoram was in charge of all the other labor. Solomon had 70,000 carriers and 80,000 stonecutters in the hills, as well as 3,300 foremen who supervised the project and directed all the workers. And we get this picture of God drawing this crowd to build this incredible temple, the church, so that he would have relationship with them and that they would be identified as other nations of having relationship with God and desiring to do so as well. And God inviting other nations into relationship with him. We see the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, new part of the Bible where he talks about in 1 Corinthians about how all of us are part of the body of Christ or the family of God. And then he talks about it as like body parts. And he says, hey, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You know, the kneecap can't say to the ear, I don't need you. Every part of the body needs every other part of the body to formulate the body, and to equip it for how it is to function. And he says that is the body, the Christ, a picture of the body. And you all are part of it. You all have been given gifts, talents, to be utilized to serve others, to serve parts of the body, to go out and serve within your neighborhoods, within your work, to care for others, and ultimately to reflect the love of God for others, and to invite them in to a relationship with him. That is why the church exists. And he says we are all part of that, and we all have a part to play in that. And so I've invited the Amon family from our Isani campus to travel with me today and just to give us a picture of how Regardless even of age, we are all part of the body and we are all invited in to be a part of using our gifts or our talents or our interests in that. So we have, we have Jeff, we have Sophia, and we have Haley with us. And Jeff, maybe just share a little bit how long you've been at New Hope and how you ended up at New Hope. So we've been here for just under two years. Um, a friend invited us and, and we just love it here. Nat, so what for you has uh, New Hope done as far as even just transforming your life or strengthening your relationship with, with Jesus? Yeah, it's strengthened my relationship with Jesus in so many ways. We're able to come here uh, on Sundays and grow and, and, and get a family and then go and grow and uh, serve in and, and, and so many ways. Uh, yep. So Haley, high school student, and that uh, how has just being involved with New Hope, with a crowd, uh, helped your relationship grow in Jesus? Being able to find like a community where I can grow further and have people that are going to help me grow in my relationship with Jesus has greatly improved my relationship just, just by that having an effect on my life. Um, I know when I'm here, I'm not like being judged by anybody. I'm not having to worry about 
not being able to fit in, it's just, it's really nice to have a family where they're not really my family, but they treat me like it. Yeah. So in serving, how have you seen just serving others bring impact to their lives, change to their lives and draw them closer to Jesus? So I mostly serve with the younger kids and just being there with them and seeing the other volunteers come in and be there with them has really helped um, them, I believe, because I see kids that come in and they're just brand new to coming into church and they haven't been here before. They're not really sure if they even want to be there. And then within a couple of weeks to a couple of months, they've just drastically changed. And it's really nice to see that change in their life. Yep. And so, Jeff, the whole family has been involved in New Pathways, which is part of our uh, ministry to homeless families who come and live within uh, our church here for a week at a time. And, that, and that's where you're all, the whole family is involved. Even Sophie helps set up beds and sheets and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, how has that impacted not just you, but those that you have served? What have you seen? Yeah, I've seen so many families come to Christ while at our church. Um, I've probably seen about six families in the program alone have come to Christ. Whether they come to Christ or not, they they do grow in their parental relationship and and just their family relationship while they're here. Yep, and the fact that providing a safe place and just serving them out of love without judgment, like Haley said. Yeah, the kids just, I mean, you you can see it when you see the kids and you play with the kids. They, They feel safe at our church, definitely, and and loved. Yep, that's huge. So would you say, both of you, it takes a crowd, as opposed to just an individual, it takes a crowd to make an impact? Definitely, yep. With New Pathways alone, we have 30, about 30 volunteers during the week, and, and I can't do it alone. We definitely need a crowd. Yep, yep. So how about in children's? What does it look like down there, a week-to-week basis? And So we typically have at least eight volunteers down there, so it's a, a pretty big crowd. We always get together before service and whatnot, and it's it does take all of us to be able to impact change on the kids and to be able to set a good example for them. So what would you say, Haley, to somebody that may be hesitant to serve or to use their gifts or like, oh, it's too much or I'm not sure if I have anything to offer? So there's a lot of different opportunities here and a lot of different ways that you can serve here. Um, we are, our family in general is just, we're serving in at least five different areas right now. Um, there's a lot of times where you can just come in every other week, every once a month, and it's just you don't have any pressure to serve every single day or every single week. It's really nice. Yep. How about you, Jeff? What would you say to people? Yeah, I, I just say jump in. Um, you know, it took me about eight months to do so when we started coming here, and, and uh, since I've jumped in, I, I mean, I love it. You know, I, I wish I would have jumped in sooner. Yeah, and what have you seen just with serving as a family? Oh, man. As far as a family goes, I mean, it's brought us closer as a family. Um, it's brought us all closer to Christ. And it's just a blessing to be able to see my kids help other kids the way that they do. Um, it, it just brings a lot of pride. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. an awesome picture. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you guys for sharing a little bit about your journey here and uh, your area of serving. You as well, Sophia. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's hear it up for these guys. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, Pastor. You know, on average, during the week, about 800, 900 people come through New Hope Community Church, both in Cambridge and Isani. And on average, it takes roughly 
250 to 300 volunteers on a week to make things happen around here to serve. So it takes a crowd to bring an influence and for us then to go out in our communities and to continue to carry that on. Jesus recognized this challenge in Matthew chapter 9 when he was walking through the towns and villages. It says he was teaching in the synagogues and he was teaching on the street corners and he was sharing the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And he said when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, he says. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And so Jesus asks us, he says, hey, ask the Father, pray unto him to send out more, to gather a greater crowd, to have greater influence in drawing people back into relationship with me as their Savior and their Lord. And so it takes a crowd, but secondly, it takes a commitment. And so that's where this morning, on your seat or by your seat, there's an I'm in card. And on there, there's all kinds of opportunities, or you could write in a different one of how you could use your gifts or your talents in just serving one another around the house here on a Sunday during the week, but then hopefully as well going out and serving your neighbor and your coworkers or your family around you, and reflecting the character and the love of God to draw others into relationship with him. God's reason for choosing the nation of Israel was not solely for the purpose of bringing a Messiah through their nation. God's desire for Israel was that they would go and teach others about him. Israel was to be a nation of priests, of prophets, a nation of individuals who would go out and point to God and to point to Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, the forgiver of our sins, the one who provides us eternal life for this life and for the next, forever. And that's what his desire was for the nation of Israel and the community church. Here is for us as the church, as New Hope Community Church, individually, but also corporately as a crowd, to bring influence and to set up a legacy that will last for generations after we take our last breath. On Thursday after work, my wife and I jumped into uh, our car, and we headed down the Wisconsin side of the Mississippi. We decided, hey, we're going to get out of town. We're just going to continue to drive as far as we can on Thursday night. And we were driving along the Mississippi, and at 9 o'clock at night, we ended up in a small town called Alma, Wisconsin. And we stayed at the Hotel DeVille. I'd stay there if I were you. It's an old French hotel, and they restored it. It was incredible. We stayed in the Lincoln Room. And uh, it was right along the river, and the train's going by. And in the morning, I thought, oh, we'll get up, maybe have a cup of coffee, you know, walk around for a few minutes and leave because the town isn't that huge. But we ended up spending four and a half hours in Alma, Wisconsin. 
because there were all kinds of artist shops we were unaware of. And we, every shop we went into, I was so intrigued, I had to ask the owner their story. You know, why are you in Alma, Wisconsin? Why are you here? And I talked to Gail. Gail was a dairy farmer with her husband. And dairy farming wasn't that prominent. They couldn't keep up. And so she turned to our, her artistic gifts. And she started painting and doing artwork. And she opened the shop 14 years ago in Alma, Minnesota, a little tourist town. And what we noticed in Gail's shop, other than any other shop we were in, is that on every piece of art, there was a little sticker that said 10% or 20% of your purchase goes towards this nonprofit. And there were all kinds of different nonprofits on different art pieces. And I asked her, and she said that, well, all the birds go to childhood diabetes because I have a nephew who is struggling with that. She said, all of the nature scenes, all that uh, proceed goes towards Vietnamese orphans uh, with the idea of bringing them over to the States to have them adopted. And that the, the pottery goes towards women in Uganda who are widowed. And that, and it was just fascinating. And before we left, I just said, I said, Gail, I got to ask you. So generous. And she got tears. I mean, I, we, I don't see that other places. Why are you so generous? And she got teary-eyed. And she said, when I was six years old, my father died of a brutal cancer. And there were six of us kids. This was 1974. We had very little money. My mom was a single mom. And I remember our neighbor was a pastor, and he cared for us, as well as his family. And I remember one day he came over and he gave my mom a $150 check. He said in 1974, that was a lot of money. And she said, that day I followed Jesus. And that day I decided that I was gonna live a life of generosity. And I was going to leave a legacy and an influence in other people's lives like that man left in ours. And so all my artwork, 10 to 20% of it, all of it for the last 14 years has helped other people's lives. And we're both crying, you know, and that. And, and it's just like, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful picture of a Christ follower and how we are to be as a crowd unto others. You know, in reading and that over time and that, I found it interesting that the Great Wall of China, which is spectacular, incredible, is 13,000 miles long. It was built over... A long period of time, they say primarily over a 20-year period. And it was built by millions of people. Matter of fact, 400,000 people gave their lives, lost their lives building the wall. And they say that their remains are built into the wall. It's the longest cemetery, they say. But in thinking about that, I'm like, that is an amazing feat. But when was the last time the Great Wall of China transformed a life? 
introduced someone to the Savior, Jesus Christ, who can radically change their life for this life and for eternity, like forever. Millions of people, an incredible crowd, gave their lives to build a wall. And my challenge to you this morning is, let's be a crowd, let's be a church that gives our lives to transforming people's lives by introducing them to Jesus, by serving them like Jesus would serve them. By setting up a legacy that lives on beyond us because we influenced a life that is going to live once we take our last breath. Let's be a people that don't get excited about, hey, I set the Guinness Book of World Record for Elvis impersonators. That's why I'm wearing the costume. I want you to remember. I don't want to give my life to that. I want to be part of a crowd that brings change in people's lives in a city where I live, in a county where I live, and beyond. Because that is why God established years ago his temple to gather the people to be in relationship with him and then also a nation, Israel, to go out and to reflect him and to bring other nations into relationship for this life and for eternity with him. And that's my invitation to each one of us. And that's why New Hope Community Church exists here this morning. So my hope is, is that you're all in. I'm in. And that together as a crowd, we transform people's lives forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that as the CEO, you chose a leader who then chose a crowd to bring influence far beyond what an individual could do. And so, Lord God, I pray that we would live as Christ followers who recognize that you have created us to be your church in this city, in this county, and beyond to bring people to Jesus Christ. In your holy name, amen.